Dirk Diggler makes Vigo Mortensen look like Pappy. This is <laughs> Hey now. Don't think about it. Hey everybody, this is Pappy. <laughs> Filling in for your Patreon request host. I, I wasn't prepared to host tonight. I'm not going to host all of these. I promise uh, you, the audience, I won't subjugate you to that. But I am the host for Matthias. Matthias Troll, actually, is the Matt name Matt Troll. <laughs> Wait, what? Matt Troll. <laughs> Wait, no, do the Troll Hunter. Josh, I think that's you. Yep, I covered that movie back in the day. Classic. Troll! There it is. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to dance for you, Corey. <laughs> i got to save my voice, Kyle. i got to pod the rest of the night. But Stevie did give us an opening question before he left, so we'll go east to east, Kylo, starting with you. I know how much you hate talking about where you're recording from, but I'm going to make you do it again. Who you are, uh. where you're recording from, and what your... I don't, how did Stevie put this? What your like Dirk Diggler equivalent name would be? Like what your porn star name would be, basically? Yeah, if you were entering the business or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. What would your name be? So my answer is going to be a little bit long. I actually wasn't prepared for this, but I do have a, an answer. Normally I don't, and I just panic, and I just say something. This is Corey, also known as Kylo Ren Memes, recording out of Simi Valley, California. When I was a kid, my brother and I, well, one of my brothers... We had an N64 game called WrestleMania 2000. Oh, yeah. And that was the first uh, Aki wrestling game where you could create your own character. It had some predecessors, mm. but you couldn't create a character before that. So I created a character, and the character I created was just like what I thought the epitome of cool was around that time, which again was <laughs> around the year 2000. And I named him Drake Vander. <laughs> so, I guess my porn star name, my Dirk Diggler-esque name would be Drake Vander, because that was my alter ego, so to speak, in my, you know, 12-year-old fantasy world of wrestling at the time. It's we weird for you to bleed your 12-year-old fantasies into this porno <laughs> question, the colonel. We'll have to keep an eye on you. I'll go next. Hey. Uh, this is Pappy. Uh, my name, oh, I'm coming from Louisville, Colorado. My porn name would be Pap Grease. For obvious reasons. Uh, <laughs> oh keep it moving. I think it's you, Josh, right? Sure. This is Josh recording out of Goshen, Indiana. And when I was in junior high in eighth grade, I was running for student council president, Concord Junior High. I lost, by Ooh. the way. Layla mm. B. I'll bleep that name out later, maybe. <laughs> Layla beat me. But, Stop uh, the steal, Layla. <laughs> Stop the count. <laughs> She deserved to win. But anyway, uh, some of my friends noticed that my name, being Josh Space Long, if you just change that space to be after the J-O, it, it, go, it, it means I Joe Schlong. I knew it. Mm. Erect Joe Schlong was his yeah. slogan. <laughs> they may have doctored some signs I had up around the junior high to say erect Joe Schlong and somehow didn't get in trouble for that. Can't believe you didn't win with a campaign like that. <laughs> <laughs> Underground campaign. <laughs> uh, Brett, I think you're the next thesis. I think it's probably a Joe, but I'll go. Okay, whatever. Yeah. Uh, this is Brett recording out of Fort Wayne. I've had the same stupid joke porn star name ever. It has nothing to do with me or anything. It's just, I always thought it was funny. <laughs> sure. And people liked it. At parties, so I'd say it was the the cock nest monster. 
or uh, <laughs> I would sometimes say the Cockness monster of the lost city of Uranus or something like that, but it's pretty much just the Cockness monster. Wow. I thought it was Breezy Burt. No. <laughs> definitely oh, not. Breezy. You can call me that, but that's definitely not it. Jordan, what's your porn name? Uh, this is Jordan from Ypsilanti, Michigan. Pappy, I don't know if you remember this, but when we were Uh-oh. <laughs> when we were in freshman at uh, in the freshman dorms at IU, um, we had like name placards on our dorm doors, and when you started going by Pappy, um, they like scratched out the name placard on yours and wrote Pappy, and then <laughs> I don't. I don't know who this was, but someone on mine just wrote Big Cock. So that would probably have <laughs> I to do remember that. <laughs> so that's me. Oh. Man, I was so close to having a cool nickname in college. I had the worst of two roommates. In an alternate universe, you're Pappy and I'm Big Cock. But... Take what you get, you know. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of Big Cocks, you know, I didn't really know. This is a long and epic movie. Kylo... Did, was this your first time seeing Boogie Nights? Is that true? It is. Yeah, it it is true. This is my first time watching it, watching it for this podcast. But it's good because I've needed a reason to watch this. And uh, I'm glad that someone requested it. And uh, I'm glad I enjoyed it because it's pretty long. So if you don't like this, it's going to be a long two and a half hours, I think. <laughs> Isn't that the same thing with all Paul Ta- Thomas Anderson movies? Like, it's a big undertaking or something (laughs) it's like a lot of commitment to get into one of these that's the tragedy of stevie not being here he always calls there will be blood there will be boredom and he was gonna host this podcast (laughs) requested by a listener matt troll and shit on paul thomas anderson i'll drink his milkshake any day so f him but kylo you said it was long and epic i guess set the scene for us where where does boogie nights take place what is it all about and then i want to just like sort of get into the characters like i mentioned Big cock, uh, Mark Wahlberg. But wh- where are we with Boogie Nights? You're the California man. We are in the San Fernando Valley. And for those that are not from California, you probably heard the term the valley or maybe even valley girl. Oh, it's yeah. people from the San Fernando Valley. And where is that? <laughs> where is that? So it's in Los Angeles County. Safe okay. to say it's kind of close to LA. So that's where this movie takes place. Now, oh, it is true that the Valley is a big, like, porno industry town, but that's basically what this movie is. Hmm. It's a movie about a bunch of characters that are in or connected to the porno industry. And, of course, we have our lead, Mark Wahlberg, who is kind of your regular kid or guy. I'm not sure what term we're going to use there because he's you know pretty young at the beginning of the movie, but it's his journey through the porno industry and uh, all the crazy fucking people that are involved in it. This movie is about family. <laughs> Corey is like when they're talking about the towns is that the reason that he's like going to work at this like diner club thing like to get involved with like those people I, I don't know for sure I mean I kind of got the vibe that he was hoping to catch some kind of a break but you don't really catch a break in the valley the same way you do in Hollywood in terms of mm-hmm. like you know going into movies and stuff and the valley is pretty specific to like porn and meth so like it's is Torrance in the valley like where he's from? No, he's Torrance is like a, a Japanese community closer to L.A. I have family. I have Japanese family in Torrance. <laughs> nice. Okay. Cool. It's weird though because he's so into like karate, like specifically karate. 
Even though he has like a bunch of Bruce Lee stuff, so you think right, he'd be yeah, into kung fu. Exactly. <laughs> Interesting. Or at least Jeet Kune Do. Did you guys buy at the beginning of the movie that he is so attractive that he had like four guys a night just approach him to watch him jerk off? Yes. He's a pretty good looking guy. <laughs> Definitive. I'd pay to watch him jerk off, Josh. He's no Jake Gyllenhaal. I'll say that at all <laughs> original casting was leonardo dicaprio yes yeah, passed for titanic but recommended mark Wahlberg. josh i guess from that perspective maybe you thought leo would be a little bit more attractive but who do you think would have made a better eddie adams slash dirk diggler leo or mark Wahlberg? <sighs> i think mark Wahlberg's acting shows a little poorly here in the first act when he's arguing with the stoner boss from Friends, shout out to Brett for hooking me up with that reference. But AKA his mom. Yeah, he's just <laughs> please contextualize this. Okay, Mark Wahlberg's <laughs> alcoholic mom is like going off on him about working late, sleeping around, and stuff. You think you're gonna do this? You think I just felt like Mark Wahlberg's crying and yelling wasn't that superb. And we all know Leo can yell really well. So that's kind of why I bring this up. <laughs> Are you on that train that Leo is just a yeller and not an actor? Not really, but I think it's hilarious criticism, basically. <laughs> <laughs> it's too good of a meme to pass up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like Leonardo DiCaprio a lot. You've adopted it. And I like Mark Wahlberg a lot, too. I just thought that one scene in particular, he hasn't full he's not like his fully fledged departed self here i think he could pull that off a little bit better now yeah but i thought i thought he uh got the just desperation of being in a crappy household i don't know i thought i thought he pulled it off okay i mean you're right mm -hmm. i mean he gets he becomes a way better actor as he goes on but i just felt like he was just devastated at what was going on so i don't know i felt really bad for the dad as well he was, I was gonna be say, beaten yeah. down by that terrible woman probably for a long time. The dad didn't do anything though. Like it's weird. Like him and like when Mark Wahlberg's leaving, like him and his dad have this weird. Like he only says bye to his dad. You know what I mean? And his dad's yeah. like sitting there while he's getting kicked out. But it's funny because I mean that's really kind of the jumping off point for I don't know. I was thinking about like, the shape of this story. It starts off with a couple bad things, but then it's like almost all positive for 45 50 straight minutes jordan do you want to tell us about dirk diggler's sort of ascent and and particularly it really kicks off with a pool party that's one of my favorite scenes of the whole movie oh yeah i mean he just he like you said he he has like these attractive looks and he also has a huge penis that everyone eventually finds out about um but he just seems like especially at that pool party just he kind of finds his crowd um even before they know all about his big wiener uh but no i just he kind of gets i don't want to say like adopted but this uh burt reynolds character takes him under his wing jack and he just keeps inviting him to these parties and like introducing him to his important friends and so it it is kind of nice to like see him go from this broken home to 
actually like fitting in with a group of people, being able to like talk F- and stuff. Family. Yeah, family, exactly. Um but no, I that is probably my favorite part of the movie as well before it gets real sad. One quick thing on that. John C. Riley in this movie. This has got to be like <laughs> Dale. So good. It's got to be the precursor to Step Brothers, right? Definitely, I mean, yeah. I was thinking the same thing. I was like, man, this is definitely Dale uh, and <laughs> Dirk Diggler was Brennan or whatever. I mean, they were just like, also, Nighthawk. I kept thinking Nighthawk. of wanting to call him Mike Concho. <laughs> Doing karate together, fucking magic, yeah. and a bunch of other, like, <laughs> like trying to one-up each other, like, who bench presses more. Like, <laughs> one person's going to say a number. And the next guy's just going to say a higher number. <laughs> About 350. He like turns off this movie <laughs> machine to like cover it up while he's thinking. Uh, and then this is, I don't, this is really the heart of the movie. And, and Stevie did say something interesting to me in a phone call we had the other day where he thought this would have been a better HBO miniseries than a film. Um, this movie has a lot of different mini stories to tell. And it's, mm. it's at this pool party there's a little setup for each of the characters, but it's at this pool party that we're really kind of like opening up to each one. We, we mentioned John C. Riley as Reed Rothschild. I don't want to skip over Burt Reynolds too much. Josh, can you tell us about Jack Horner, though? He's a very important character, and, and Burt Reynolds got a late Oscar nom in his career for this role. Rest in peace. Yeah, that's super sad that Burt is gone. A couple of these actors are gone. Brett, I'm sure we'll fill us in as we move yeah. along the podcast. <laughs> that's but. a segment. We, we're saving that for later. I'll just say right off the bat, I felt, to me, Burt Reynolds was in the top one or two performances in this movie. So Oscar nominee and all that stuff, like, well-deserved. But Jack Horner is... um, Honestly, he's kind of the cornerstone of the family. He's the patriarch. He's <laughs> the director. He... <sighs> You know, he's kind of cast in this positive light. Like, he's very patient and he makes like good decisions and he has principles. Um, but at the same time, he's doing like really sleazy stuff, like ordering Roller Girl to have sex on his couch with Mark Wahlberg, like on the first night they all hang out and just sitting there watching, smoking his cigar creepily. Jackie Treehorn treats objects like women, man. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's a quintessential character for kind of like what this movie is supposed to be, though, because it's got like the porno industry griminess. But on the other hand, all these characters are playing like a separate role to this like family of lost toys. (laughs) Misfit toys. So what I'm trying to tell you, Eddie, is that it takes a lot of a good old American green stuff to make one of these things you know what i mean i mean you know you've got your camera you've got your film you got your lights you got your sound you got your lab cause you got to developing you got your syncing you got your editing before you turn around you spent maybe 20 25 30 thousand dollars on a movie that's a lot of money but you're asking this but if you make a good one there's practically no end to how much money you can make have you seen Jack's house? No. He will. His relationship with Julianne Moore, Amber Waves, is kind of weird though. Like, do you get the sense that it's almost not like does he really love her? You know what I mean? Like 
I think so. I, I thought she was the heart of the movie. So no, she's amazing in the movie, but she she has a sadness to her. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. Even in that last scene where everything's like really happy, she still seems a little sad when he's calling her like a sexy bitch. You know what I mean? I think Julianne Moore is just actually really sad. So it's tough play for her. <laughs> I think I don't know. I do think they really do have their own type of love and. If he's the patriarch, then she's the matriarch. And there's like some really obvious um, illustrations of her being like the mother character as we go through the movie, too. Mother. I miss my two sons. You know? I miss my, my little Andrew and, and my Dirk. You know, I always felt like Dirk was my, my baby. My new baby. Don't you miss Dirk? Yeah. I love him, Rock Early. I'm gonna really love Stupid Tree. <laughs> I love you, Mom. I want you to be my mom, Amber. Are you my mom? I'll just, I'll, I'll, I'll ask you if you're my mom, okay? And, and you say yes, okay? Are you my mom? Yes, buddy. <laughs> Corey, you sent an image of Don Cheadle to the Skype thread right as we started podcasting for some reason. Do you want to tell us about Buck Swope? Swoop? A little I thought bit? that was Rick James. Yeah, so Don Cheadle's character, Buck, he's also, as everyone is, uh, involved in the porno industry. But um, his dream is he just wants to fucking sell radios or stereos, I guess. I mean, it's one thing to hear it from Buck's mouth. It's another thing to hear it from the TK421. So let me just pop in this A track. And you just give a list and tell what you think, okay? Woo! Huh. You hear that? You hear the bass, right? You hear it? It, it kicks. It, it, it turns. It, it curls up your belly. It makes you want a freaky deaky, right? You got that? Now see, if, if you get this system as is, it's not going to sound like this without the TK421 modification. And we do that in the store right here. Very small price. Go on and move with it if you need to. It helps me. He's kind of like made fun of a little bit for like at one point not being uh, very black, even though he's a black man um, by his boss. Cause he's like into like the cowboy aesthetic and country music. It's, it's, <laughs> it's funny, but it's also like kind of strange. I mean, I don't know how, how far we should go into it, but like there's a point all in the, the movie go that all like, the way into it, Kylo, all the way into deep, it. Okay. Deep all the way into it, Kylo. 13 inches deep. All right. Yeah. Um, there's a point in the movie where he's like, having a kid with a woman and, you know, things are kind of like settling down for him, but he wasn't able to open his own store because he kind of has a, just a bad reputation for being in the porno industry. And he goes to this like donut shop and you know, he's just happy go lucky ordering some donuts. He's all stoked. His girlfriend's pregnant or whatever. It starts getting robbed and it's just like a horrific moment. It's like a fucking reservoir dogs shootout in there. Just like <laughs> somehow like there's these like three people just like dead within two seconds uh, during the robbery. Maybe someone can speak about that a little bit more intelligently, but that was like such, I like stopped the movie. I paused it every now and then when I'm watching a movie and like something just insane happens, I have to pause it and just think about it for a few seconds. And that was one of those moments for me. The odds of any of that happening, the, the probability are really low, but, you know, 
Well, someone packing heat, like, like the idea you get that the the customer that was in the donut shop had like a legal gun or whatever. Like he's like your, you know, kind of like redneck guy or whatever. He couldn't be coded more redneck. He's like reading like an NRA magazine (laughs) and he has like gun pins on his hat and stuff. Like, Patriot. I guess the point I'm getting to is I think it's pretty hard to like (laughs) uh, have a concealed carry in California. Yeah. I was wondering what it was like back in early eighties. Oh, good point. It's funny too, because as they're as he's uh like pulling out that gun, like the redneck guys, he's pulling it out to stop the robbery. Don Cheadle, his character is like, no, don't don't do that, don't do that. He's <laughs> trying to like stop everything. He's just trying to be peaceful, but he ends up on the on the oh, good like side with his full. with his loan. No way, he's being super smart. Why would you want to be in a fucking shop when bullets are flying around? You got to be kidding me, Brett. Well, it's the thing is idea. too, after everyone's dead, the money that the guy was stealing is just laying on the floor, right? And my mm. thought process is the cops are about to show up and he's going to get blamed for this. Right? right. Everyone around him is dead. He has blood all over yeah, him. But it'd be easy enough to prove that it wasn't him, though, even back in the 80s. Yeah, maybe after they take you to jail for a few weeks or months or however long. Uh, I don't like his chances. If they, were, if they were good at their job, it wouldn't have been overnight. You just can well, tell. You can tell someone shot a gun or not. That's a big if. Big if. Almost as big as Dirk Diggler's dick. Not if you have a lawyer. Well, fortunately, it doesn't go that way. But he does take the money, which, like, I don't know. I didn't expect him to do. Should have taken the donuts, man. He he got his loan. Should have taken those blood donuts. (laughs) (laughs) They were probably in a box. You're so contrarian tonight, Brett. Uh. (laughs) Kyla, more broadly, how do you feel about having this many characters in a movie? Because like what you just described, Don Cheadle could have been the protagonist of this movie. There could have been a 90-minute movie surrounding him and his arc, basically in the same world, in this within the same story. You know what I mean? It works in this movie, I think, um, in the same way that Paul Thomas Anderson makes it work in Magnolia, where there's a lot of characters. Although, um, in that movie, I think it's about all these people coming together at the end and being connected in a kind of Dickens ish way, but having a lot of characters works if it's written right. And I mean, this is just engaging the whole time. I don't think there's any point where I'm like, (laughs) you know, fuck what's going on with this guy. I don't care. Get back to this. It's great. I was, I'm the exact opposite. I was going to make this point and art. Not like argue, but like, have you convinced me like this movie is really long. Yes. And I couldn't tell if Anderson like wrote these characters and fell in love with them, which is why he couldn't cut them out. Or if he thought it would add like rich texture or layers to it, because I can chalk off five people on my hand right now that just had almost nothing to do with the storyline. Like almost, I mean, like literally nothing to do with the storyline that could have been cut out to make it an hour and 45 minutes. It's like a very intentional choice of like a presentation style, right? Like it's like a very Robert Altman type. We got a bunch of characters, a bunch of people are interacting. It's a distinctive, it's a very different style than like most movies are. And is I think that who did Nashville, is that who that is? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Robert Altman. Um, but I think it's important to note too, Paul Thomas Anderson wrote this, like the original short for this when he was 17 and made this film when he was 26 years old, which is pretty 
fucking mind blowing. Josh, were you making things like this when you were twenty six years old? <laughs> no, but uh, this was his young, his youth was the cause of some tension on set between him and Burt Reynolds. It's pretty freaking <laughs> hilarious. There's Get into one, it, yeah. The, well, there's one quote I read where Burt Reynolds said, um, it's hard to take direction from someone who's younger than some sandwiches that he's eaten. <laughs> Which is, <laughs> you know, you get aged cheese in there. It's a pretty old sandwich if you think I about guess. it. I guess. <laughs> Still disgusting. The cheese, what about the deli meat? God. My favorite anecdote, and I feel like Stevie probably knows this and would love this, but um, he... He said he was just young and full of himself. And one of the shots where Bert drives his car to like the theater, um, like Paul Thomas Anderson was just like, wasn't that awesome? Wasn't that great? And Bert Reynolds is like, yeah, it was pretty great. Pretty much just like this shot. And then he goes and lists five movies that he's been in that have like the same exact <laughs> shot in it. So, uh, there's like, you know that scene in this movie with Mark Wahlberg, and there's like that tension on set between him and Burt Reynolds. I think some of that kind of came true between PTA and Burt Reynolds on set, and it's pretty interesting. So yeah. Burt Reynolds is like throwing around his cop and a half credentials in PTA's face. <laughs> <laughs> My cock's ready now. I love cop and a half, and critics hated that movie so much. We'll pot on it someday, Brett. I'm down. I've seen it way too many times. I actually own the DVD. An actor who I hope we pot on way more is Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yes. He and William H. Macy are part of the, the crew. Uh, Brett, do you want to tell us a little bit about uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman? I'll try, what, PCH? PCF? Yeah, PSH? PSH, yeah. I wasn't prepared to host tonight. It's just initials, though. Happy. <laughs> hey, come on. I didn't quite catch. He comes in a little later. Um, super nice guy. He's a little awkward. Um, kind of can tell pretty early on that he's. If he doesn't have a crush on Dirk Tiggler, he kind of likes the way he's put together. Let's put it that way. Um, I, I couldn't tell. Was he a boom mic guy? Is that what he did? He was a gaffer. Gaffer? All right. <laughs> Something like that. I don't know. He was like um, production crew. Okay. Yeah, they had him like running around doing errands and stuff like too. Like a PA or whatever. All right, that makes sense. Um, he's just a nice guy. He's a little, little out there. He, uh, he's kind of one of those guys I feel like is a clinger on. Like thinks that maybe people like him more than they do. I don't know. It's it's hard to say because he he does really well. He's really nice. Uh, he's a real nice character. He actually makes a move on Dirk during the New Year's party, which is pretty awkward. Um, and then he keeps trying to finish that move, uh, which is even more awkward. Um, and then he just gets really mad at himself. You know, I'm I'm rarely ever a guy that can tell. Like, I like to look up goofs on IMDb. It, I rarely actually ever see them. But this one, I was like, oh, my God, you can see that Mike. Did you guys see it when he's in his car and he's like, stupid, you're an idiot. No. Like, there's a shadow that keeps going over. Like where he is and where his uh, side view mirror is. I'm like, oh man, that's such a big miss. I can't believe somebody missed it. Watch it again. You'll see it. It's super obvious. Was that, are you sure that was a microphone or is that just Dirk Degular's dick? No, but I'm saying <laughs> he's gone. No, it's not that long. No, I think it's, <laughs> I think it's a boom mic. It's just what 
you can usually always see in movies, which I never see it. But nice this catch. One, yeah, I mean, you can't see it, but you like the the shadow fills in and it pulls away and then it moves. It's just like oh crap, right? But yeah, so he's just a kind of a a loyal guy that people like to have around for convenience, but maybe don't like to hang out with as much. Bringing up Philip Seymour Hoffman, though, I feel like maybe kind of almost answers your last question. Like, why have all these characters? And it, yeah. maybe part of it's like uh, you're going to get you can land a F- Philip Seymour Hoffman to actually play a character that's more fleshed out rather than um, someone who's going to be more insular or something. Yeah, and it's true. I mean, I, there are some, but Philip Seymour Hoffman has a ton of interaction with Dirk Diggler. Uh, Don Cheadle doesn't. Don Cheadle's lady friend doesn't. Luis Guzman doesn't. Mm. Um, the guy who works at, what was it, Kinko's or whatever, what, what was it? H.H. Craig? I don't remember. The, he gets married to her at the end. Those people aren't really involved in the storyline at all. They're kind of just eye candy. Um, I don't know. At least Philip Seymour Hoffman has a, and it, like Thomas Jane, he's got a, the two biggest events in the last hour and a half of the movie for Dirk Diggler are one is when uh, maybe Corey can tell us later, like he, he couldn't handle his crystal meth. I think that's kind of what led to his downfall. And then the, where he hits rock bottom at the end. I mean, Thomas Jane is that's Thomas Jane. Oh yeah. Oh, wow. That's what he's from. The mist. Oh. <laughs> oh. Thomas Man. Jane to movie club. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to breeze past Philip Seymour Hoffman too much. Like, I know, Kyla, you you love him. Do you just want to, not even just in this movie, because I posted a picture of Seymour Ho- Philip Seymour Hoffman, and you responded something like, one of the greats. Why do, you, why do you love Philip Seymour Hoffman? I think he can do anything as an actor, and that's why I love him. Like, the way he is in this movie is so unique. Like, he can be menacing, or he can be this guy. And this guy in the movie, and unfortunately I don't remember his name, too many characters, haven't seen it enough. But Scotty. He's, Scotty. He's so, like, awkward, and I feel <laughs> like in a big group of people, there's always at least one of these kind of guys around. He's just, like, mm-hmm. kind of uh, socially a little bit behind everyone else. But, <laughs> I mean, Philip Seymour Hoffman, he, he can do seriously anything. It's amazing. Including... Mm-hmm. Brett sent us a clip today, a reminder that he was in Along Came Polly. And he's freaking hilarious. I can tell as a former basketball coach, he he's played before. He can dribble, and he can look and dribble and pass, block people out. It's good <laughs> Shoot stuff. Shoot the ball. Uh, he doesn't prove that in that <laughs> clip, but I, but I bet he can. But, Pappy, before I kick it back to you, there is a sad moment, too, here that hit me a little bit. Mm. Um. There's that girl that ODs on Coke and it's pretty visceral. Right. And like they take her like right past Philip Seymour Hoffman and there's like a specific quote where he's like looks at her and he's like, Is she alright? And I think he's just told to like shut the fuck up, but <laughs> yeah. That, that, moment business, kinda, yeah that, move, that moment did kind of catch me off guard in a way. Foreboding. Yeah, it's definitely sad. I that it's weird because that's like the one kind of crack in the armor of like what i'm talking about like like the rising part of like the first hour of this movie right it's like the a little bit of julianne moore with her with her son it's like oh yeah this is kind of like a fucked up situation right now actually and a little bit with like that girl 
ODing. We're just going to drop her off at the hospital and leave her. It's like there, there are, there is a very dark side to this community. Jordan, one last character, and and I wanted to save him for last because he's got to kind of take us from the seventies to the eighties with a bang. Is William H Macy, aka <laughs> Little Bill? Do you want to tell us about what he's his life is like in this movie? A bang indeed. Yeah, he. I, it's really sad, but it's also some of the funniest parts in this first like. I don't know, half of the movie is that basically anytime he shows up, he like hears something and he like walks around a few corners and he sees someone fucking his wife. <laughs> <laughs> he seriously walks around a few corners. I don't know if I put that. Every time like he walks into his house and he just like hears it in a back room. Another time he's like at a party. Um, some, some really funny moments that like, <laughs> he like one of his associates tries to start like a business conversation and the whole time it's like framed <laughs> with those two on the sides and you can see his wife fucking while a bunch of people watch like right in the middle of them he's just <laughs> trying to get out of there um eventually as you said pappy he kind of sets us off with a bang because he just he, he's fed up and he ends up uh killing the wife maybe her lover and then he walks out like into the w- middle of the party and also shoots himself definitely think he killed both because uh if you look he does two shots and then you can see him move mm. the gun over so oh. gotcha yeah they said it's a deleted scene that was like too graphic of him God, shooting oh, both people <laughs> why would you shoot that uh anyways yeah um but yeah he comes out in the middle of a party and i think that kind of launches us into like the first big time jump hmm he has this like little smile on his face too. I think he recognizes the irony that they're like counting down to midnight right as this is all happening or something. <laughs> yeah. But mm-hmm. there's also another deleted scene where there's like a little bit extra on the award show when Dirk Diggler wins his first one and it sh- it goes through like one by one the whole posse that we've been talking about showing their different reactions and Macy is just sitting there like smiling and clapping and he leans over to his wife and happily whispers something and she just like rolls her eyes and mouths fuck off <laughs> like you can't hear the dialogue because like music is really loud <laughs> poor little girl when uh when he goes out there and we saw like uh a crowd around people like Brittany and i made like a joke we're like Oh man, it'd be hilarious if that's his wife, but neither one of us thought it was going to be his wife. <laughs> and then when we found out it was his wife, we're like, oh my God, that's so funny. Um, is he like the biggest involuntary cuck in like music history or, I mean, movie history? Like you kind of feel awful for him because he's not into it. Like usually no. the ones you see in movies or TV shows are like into it, but he freaking, I felt bad for him the whole time. That conversation he has with the editor where he's oh like, my, my wife is getting fucked. And he's like, yeah, that's bad. But the lighting tomorrow, the I was thinking light. about the shadows. <laughs> I'm trying to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> hey, uh, trivia people might know. Uh, did you hear his screw up in his line? Yes. And was it? Does anybody know if that was on purpose? Wait, what? 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 Corey, say it because I'm not going to say it. Contextualize. Ah, shit. It, he says something like. Brittany. My wife has an ass in her cock. That's what it is, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> my fucking wife has an ass in her cock in the driveway, Kurt. All right? I'm sorry if my thoughts are not on the photography of the film we're shooting tomorrow. Okay? Okay. No big deal. An ass in her cock? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, my wife's over there with an ass in her cock. <laughs> That's hilarious, I just figured that though. was frustration. Yeah, like he's just <laughs> flustered. And I just wasn't sure if it was uh, in the script or if it... Mm. 
he just kind of screwed up because he's flustered, and Paul Thomas Anderson's like, oh, that's awesome. Probably that, in the script. I just wasn't that's, sure. That's the equivalent of Jack Horner saying, there's shadows in real life, baby, when they're trying to light the, <laughs> the set. <laughs> well, I was honestly just confused. This is getting a little graphic, but I thought they were no. just having straight missionary sex. So to say that it was in her right. I don't know. Same, Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> At a point. No, no, that's all staying in. We can... <laughs> That's fine. Whatever. We can explain it to you later, Josh, in the hijack. But for now, I did want to ask you. I know you don't like this movie as much as I do, Jack. That's not or Jack, Josh. That's not to say that you don't like it. But if I if I if I'm like thinking about the things that like I could see like poking holes in, is it too cliche that at the stroke of midnight the whole like shape of the movie changes and it goes from like you know, all of these montages of Dirk Diggler ascending, like winning awards, being in porn, buying clothes, like all this cool stuff. And like literally at the stroke of midnight when it turns 1980, things go to shit. Is that is that too, too on the nose? It's on the nose because it's at midnight on New Year's between like the gray area between two decades. And there's like this whole argument of, that it kind of like bleeds into that is film versus videotape and mm-hmm. Burt Reynolds has some pretty hilarious lines when it comes to his hatred <laughs> for videotapes. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I do think maybe this is probably like the weakest part of the movie when he's getting like awards and things are moving super fast here. Um, I like all the happy times that we talked about leading up to it, but like there's this kind of montage between the seventies and eighties and has a lot to do with cocaine. I feel like a lot to do with cocaine. It's like they just discovered cocaine at the stroke of midnight on 1979. (laughs) And they started. Well, he looked like he never really did anything. And he, he for sure had not. Yeah. Cause she's like explaining what a drip is to him and everything. What's the, what's the pink stuff? I didn't see any pink stuff. Did I miss that? No, He just references it. He's when they're smoking. When they're smoking meth, he said, it's better than that pink stuff. It's got fish scales in it. So I guess I've never done any pink stuff. (laughs) I want that purple stuff. All right. That purple drink? Purple drink, yep. Kylo, speaking of purple drink, actually, this has nothing to do with purple drink, but I do want to come to you for this. (laughs) Colonel, Colonel James is another character that I think actually doesn't really fit in well with the shape of this movie i think he's a little bit too much at times and like even moreover like like where he's inserted in the movie it feels really awkward and weird we haven't mentioned him at all do you want to talk about i guess contextualize him as we've been saying tonight and then i don't know he's the money guy right yeah yeah yep he's the money guy and the the pedophile guy which is just a weird a weird turn yeah so his involvement is that he's financing these uh pornos that they're making and things shift when he can't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. And uh, Burt Reynolds is forced to switch to videotape and start making his own, like, Bang Bus series. Um, he's like reality TV <laughs> kind of porn. Um, but yeah, he gets, he gets arrested for being a pedo, but I don't remember exactly how. It had something to do with, like, Someone OD'd at his house or something? A 15-year-old yeah. girl. He yeah. Propositioned. He said he didn't know she was 15, but, uh, you know, when you couple that with what he got caught with, that kind of goes out the window. That's the Stevie question. What did he get caught with? It's got to be 
CP, right? It's, like, it says yeah. it on Wikipedia, but obviously Wikipedia is not always right. Just like film of underage people. Gotcha. He, him and Patrick Swayze were yeah. watching that together. That's pretty dark. But the last Donnie Darko, time s- is that what that oh, was? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Great reference. Yeah, not the a state of Patrick uh, Swayze. Please don't take our nine patron dollars away God from damn. <laughs> The last scene that you see the colonel, though, is pretty tough. Like, he's in jail having a pretty rough go of it. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. But Jordan, does he fit, like fit in the movie for you? The reason that I say this is like you have William H Macy literally like bringing in the '90s. Then there's like this ten minute '80s, eight, sorry '80s, right? There's this ten minute like uh, video that um, what's her name uh, Julia Moore Amber Waves made. You know what I mean? It's like a, a mm-hmm. documentary within the movie, which doesn't really flow well, and then it goes right to like this. Like pedo stuff with, uh, with the colonel. I I, I thought I thought no. it was like this part's a little bit all over the place for me. What what did you think? Yeah, I mean we've already talked about like they do kind of delve into different characters, and I think it's trying to show like the, like the good and bad of this particular industry, and it is just kind of like I get why you can't flesh this part out because obviously like there's fucking underage shit going on but it is just very like abrupt and like all of a sudden he's like oh yeah they found some probably some child porn in his house and he's going to jail it's it's very strange but i like that's part of like the the dark of this industry i would guess um that's like going on in the in in the valley as Corey says does does this give us kind of a peek behind the curtain of what paul Thomas Anderson thinks about like justice. I mean, nobody besides people that get killed, nobody gets in trouble for any of the illegal stuff they do in this movie, which up till kind of murder slash almost beating someone to death. But the only one who gets punished is, and rightfully so, is the guy who the pedo. Yeah. Who had, had, you Mm -hmm. know, CP. What, what about like, uh Dirk or Eddie at the time he's only 17 when he gets dragged into all or not dragged in but willingly kind of goes into all this so like how how far apart are is yeah, like I was, the colonel and Jack like is it mm. Yeah I'm guessing 17 in the 70s in California was probably okay <laughs> uh, I mean as as weird as that sounds but people used to age faster you guys don't know about it <laughs> I didn't that's not I didn't mean that I didn't mean that I didn't mean that at all Obviously, he's fully grown. If we let's get that out of the way, <laughs> but, like, uh, Jordan, but yeah. Jordan, what you were saying though, like I thought <laughs> that the only reason this scene exists to me, moreover, Brett, than like a sense of justice, I feel like it's trying to make us sympathetic to Jack. Like I feel like it's trying to show us that Jack has principles that he's willing true, to cut true. out the, the financier of his films. Definitely. Over like a like, lifelong friend, he, but like he crossed a line. Like yeah. he's you can do this, you can do this, you can do this, but you can't do this. And right, yeah. like, abuse yeah, you can is do a lot of crazy things in this industry. But I'm guessing CP as far back in the porn industry as you can go. I'm guessing you can do a lot of crazy crap in that industry. But this one, this thing, you just don't do. Like there's a thing you just right. don't do, and that's what this guy was uh, tapping it, into. It's just, just show. It even, you're right. 
is it even Jack drawing a line there, or is he like this dude's obviously fucking going to jail? Like we gotta, I don't cut know. Ties. I, I, think, I gotta I th- cut bait because I, I don't know both. that it's. I don't. Both. I mean, both probably, but I don't know that it's Ed drawing like Jack is like a a moral character because he's. I see. Yeah, I, think, I, don't know. I, think, I agree with Pappy on that a little bit. I think he's shown that he really likes the Colonel. I mean, obviously he gets the money from him, but. Uh, I mean, he's with him. He's like, I believe you. I, I know you didn't do that. It, it happened at your house. It's not your fault. And then he just completely turns. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. I don't know. I guess I could see it both ways. During that phone call, mine went. My mind went like child pornography is terrible. But my mind went even darker. I thought he had like a trailer outside of his house. Like I, I uh, did at first too, oh for sure. Like in what is that? Uh, Matthew McConaughey. Prisoners. Oh. Uh, Matthew McConaughey, Woody Harrelson, True Detective season one. Uh, (laughs) True Detective. Like True Detective style, like some serious messed up dungeon stuff happening. That's what I thought it was, but. Um. Did it work to soften the character for you or how, what was your read on, on it? Cause this is like, a, this is like my least favorite part of the movie. Like, I, it, I honestly, it I don't, fit. it doesn't, it doesn't fit. fit for me. And like, we, this is a two and a half hour movie. You could cut, if you, like, like, this is literally the sequence of scenes. Little Bill shooting the guy, Julianne Moore's documentary, the confronting of the pedophile, then into Dirk Diggler, like, getting like really hopped up on coke and having the fight like if it just like jumped from little bill shooting the guy to dirk diggler like really hopped up on coke like that would have made way more sense to me and would have i flowed hate i better. hate julianne moore's mini documentary too i hate it's bad. it it I makes don't like it it makes her character look like dumb like she's oh she's like that cute trying to do a director's thing where like burt reynolds is like I'm like the real shit. But she does become a an, a director later. Does she? Yes. At that when they're doing all the the happiness at the end, she's behind the camera doing one of she's doing a scene for someone's movie. I I don't know. I I just watched sure. it, but I and forgot. I guess to, to be fair, some of the stuff that they show that Burt Reynolds is producing looks pretty terrible. Yeah, <laughs> all the gunshots and stuff, <laughs> like John C. Riley running th- on a rooftop. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's Burt, Burt Reynolds is talking about at the beginning how he wants to make an actual film. Like, fuck this, like cheap porno guy comes in as the plumber bullshit. Like, he's like, I want to do actual film where people keep watching after they come. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's what they make this like stupid as fuck, like <laughs> pseudo action porn. MacGruber. It's so weird. <laughs> like, the, and he's like watching it in awe, like, I've done it. I've achieved my masterpiece. <laughs> I saw, I listened to uh, Quentin Tarantino on Boogie Nights, and he said Boogie Nights' only flaw is that. When they, in universe, the movies they think are good should have been good. You know what I mean? That it's kind of, it makes everyone (laughs) just look stupid that like this, oh, this is amazing when we as the audience can see that it's shitty. Oh, I thought you were going to say something about lack of feet. Oh, that too. That was his only, (laughs) that's only two things. Not enough feet. This is its only flaw. (laughs) This roller girl, she never takes off her skates. This is bullshit. (laughs) How can it be a porn if you don't see your feet? I don't understand. <laughs> you know, an interesting note too. I was listening to a bunch of like Paul Thomas Anderson interviews, and I, I found like one throwaway one on some like weird like Australian television network, and it was only five minutes long. And the 
quality was shit on YouTube, so I probably won't even play the clip. But he described like the shape of the movie where it's like you're watching a porn and mom please skip ahead at least three minutes for this part where you're watching a porn (laughs) and it's like the whole buildup is if like you're really into the porn and you're getting very excited by all the things happening and that the the shot that happens into the 80s everything after that is like basically post-nut clarity where you're just like looking around like what the fuck (laughs) am i looking at like what is this like post-nut clarity You got the power! Josh, one of the parts of Post Nut Clarity is Dirk Diggler like trying to find a music career. Did you did you like the music? Yes. Uh I I thought it was entertaining um to see this like failed attempt at music and I loved seeing John C. Riley like play a few <laughs> licks on the guitar. Like you can tell he actually plays guitar too, just like you can tell that Philip Seymour Hoffman actually can play basketball. But but these scenes go on like way too long for a two mm-hmm. and a half hour movie. Like I'm not saying montage this, but I think there's a way to maybe only use like one scene instead of like two or three. Um there's, I've been bringing up a lot of deleted scenes, but one of them is the guys, uh, Thomas Jane and John C. Riley, uh, of course, with Dirk Diggler. They're all like just doing coke, talking about how they want to go back to that guy and get their tapes and not give him money. <laughs> and I would have rather seen that maybe than like two scenes of him and John C. Riley like trying to sing and play or or something you know what i mean like just went Mm -hmm. on too long this movie started as a mockumentary as an homage to this is spinal tap and when i'm watching this part i'm getting like oh yeah paul young paul thomas anderson loved fucking spinal tap when he was growing up and this is this is that kyla what what did you think about this part I, i really liked the comedy in the scene of them trying to make music because, again, I'm just getting, like, Step Brothers vibes. I know it's weird, because I Step Brothers came out later, but I saw it first. So, like, that's that's basically what I'm seeing. I'm seeing fucking Catalina Wine Mixer rehearsals, you know? Like, where the shit they're pu- putting together is just not very good. I did want to talk about one other thing, though. It's, it's kind of, like, more of a question. It's, it's not that scene, so I'm sorry. But, no, go for it. Uh, Dirk Diggler, he's spiraling into drug addiction. The music thing isn't working out. He's basically losing all his money. Like You can tell he's no longer working in the porno industry because he fucking blew up while he was all coked out on um, Burt Reynolds. He starts kind of like turning tricks to, to get cash. Like in a way, like it, what he does, he doesn't like sleep with other people other men or anything but he like will let people watch him jerk off right and that mm-hmm. happens in the movie like someone picks him up in a truck they go over to a parking lot mm-hmm. and he's like all right i'm gonna watch you jerk off now but it was like a setup right yeah but i didn't understand the conceit of this setup they're like watch him jerk off for 10 minutes and then we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna come in we're gonna storm him and we're gonna kick his ass Oh, that guy was a suppressed homosexual. Yeah, that's a, for I was sure. just say, that's a bunch of latent homosexuality. That's what I think that is. Do you think that was in their plan? Like, I guess Stevie, he's not here, so I can't ask him. But like, yes. <laughs> beforehand, did they discuss like, okay, yeah, take him, 
You can watch him jerk off for a little while, and then we'll kick his ass. Yeah, we'll, we'll watch till he comes, uh, and then, then, we'll, then we'll kick his ass. So. <laughs> Straight out of South Park. Dude, there's another South Park reference here because uh, Mark Wahlberg is definitely... What is the line in Bigger, Longer, and Cut? Lending on the street doing hand jobs or crack. Something like that. <laughs> oh, crap. Uh, yeah, yeah that's, I think that's right. Yeah, that fits. Direct reference. When he gets picked up, there's like... He's at this like diner, but there's like this giant like church and like the whole right side of the frame with this like big ass Jesus mural. It's a I don't know. Cool like, shot. What, yeah, I don't know what that's supposed to mean, but it's just like, you know, ironic with him getting picked up for prostitution. I mean, this is like the darkest part of the movie. We yeah. talked yeah. about the Don Cheadle robbery, which is which is one of my favorite parts. Um, Jordan, you want to tell us a little bit about what happens to to Roller go- Girl? Kyla mentioned the bang bus, but Yeah, yeah. Corey touched on it earlier, but uh, Jack decides to do like a first ever, like we're going to just pick up somebody on the side of the road and see if they want to bang a roller girl. Um, and the f- like the, the dude that they pick up apparently knows her from school somehow and like kind of calls her on like who she really is. Uh, the guy, he was the guy who was doing the blowjobs back when she was in like high school. It's like the same. Oh, is it the same? That's actor? my wife's friend's brother. Shut the guy. fuck up! Wait, really? shut up! Yeah, is it the same actor in both of those Seriously. scenes, Corey? Then the yes. guy who's like mouthing it to is. her in the high school. Yes, it is. Oh, that part's Man. creepy too. I hate that part. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually seen this part with the other one, the Wahlberg. I, I don't know, saw it 15, 10 years ago, whatever. And that's like one of the main reasons I hadn't seen this movie yet. I did Weird. not enjoy that. Guy looks like a young poor man's Jason Clark, by the way. <laughs> Can you say poor man's anything if it's your wife's cousin's brother? It's family, Corey. Come on. <laughs> I know. I had to family. <laughs> but, uh, what does that make us? <laughs> Corey's wife's cousin's brother is not very good at making a porno, so they keep like shouting at him while he's trying to like do this thing with with Roller Girl. Yeah, it's super (laughs) weird. Neither of them are super into it. Jack's trying to force some things, and then uh, they end up kind of separating. He says some words, and Roller Girl is pissed, and they beat his ass on the sidewalk. Um, I think this is my second pod in a row where people get their ass beat. It's great. (laughs) What was your last one? Uh... Succession? Something Kylo hosted, I thought. The snowman? <laughs> snowman, yeah. Somebody got their ass beat there, too. This is very 2020, 21. Just watching a white dude, frat boy, leather jacket mm. wearing dude get his face smashed in. By a well, sex worker? Yeah, yeah 100%. The, the thing is, like, the whole time he knows it's not right because they're like, oh, like, what's your name? Like, where do you go to school? He's like, I don't want to say, uh, this isn't right. You know, like, you can tell he's like, feeling weird and then he becomes like the antagonist and gets his ass beat on the sidewalk and left for dead do you think he dies i mean he could with with the brain but i mean they i think the last shot of him makes it seem like he's gonna be okay but yeah i mean a couple skates to the head i don't think he dies could really jack you up didn't he have death rattles? I don't remember what school he said he goes to, but it was a local school in the valley. I did not hear death rattles, by the way, Josh. I didn't Carlos hear that. Carlos got but... that letter jacket. <laughs> <laughs> it said his local goodwill, that letter jacket. Nah, school is for fools. It's it's tough to for the movie, I think, even to transition out of that part. Because, again, I go back to the shape of the story. 
this is the lowest part, but this next scene is, I don't know. You'd, you'd almost consider it rock bottom for the, for the character, Dirk Diggler, uh, Thomas Jane and John C. Riley, uh, but it's but it's also like a hilarious part at the same time. <laughs> um, Jordan, can you get us at least started on the sister Christian scene? It's I think this is ten out of ten perfect filmmaking. I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but this this is amazing. I couldn't wait for it to be over. No, what? really, but but for different reasons. I'll let Joe go. Okay. Then I'll I'll maybe talk later. Wait, sorry, Pab, what did you call sister it, sister Christian? Sir, I took a big drink of uh, sparkling water, black cherry flavored. Uh, the sister, the sister Christian song is playing when they go also, to rob that guy. Jesse's girl. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, sister yeah, Christian, it sucks. That song sucks. We <laughs> talked about that before the pod. Brother Jordan does not dabble in these old songs. <laughs> <laughs> um, they yeah, they go to rob a guy of a bunch of coke by trying to sell him baking soda essentially and Such our boy our boy from the mist um he's kind of in charge of this whole thing is is it ving rames that answers the door there it sounds like him. <laughs> i don't think it is but no i don't think so but his voice sounds he's humongous close. yeah um but anyways it's a very tense scene it, it is it's super tense and then it gets really funny because dirk and uh, John C. Riley end up like hiding behind the bar during a shootout, just like, "What the fuck are you guys doing?" <laughs> um, I, I don't know how they make it out of there alive. What? And also, how does uh, how does John C. Riley actually get out of there? Because he doesn't hop in the car at the end. Sorry, I'm all over the place here. So John C. Riley like jumps in a bunch of bushes. Yeah. I don't. Wh- who's? The, I don't know. The, does anyone know the name of the guy who they're stealing from? Yeah. Wait. In a... Rahad. Rahad. Yeah, Alfred six Molina? movie club. Oh, man. Alfred Mo- Wait, that's Alfred Molina? Yeah. I, Holy I, I, shit. I was like, man, this looks like Alfred Molina, but he's way too young. And then I looked up, I was like, oh my God, that was him. Yeah, it six movie him. club, I think. Dr. Octopus. Six movie club. That's fucking insane. If, if, we, did, if we did guy. Frozen 2 and, and Ralph wrecks <laughs> the internet, then it's six movie club. Yes. Rango. Wow. Rango, yep. That's crazy. By the way, uh, Jode, uh, Rahad's bodyguard, mm-hmm. this is the only movie he's ever been in, and his name is B. Philly Johnson. So not hey, quite did a good job. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't want to breeze over though. The stupidity of the plot. When you look <laughs> so up the, uh, when you no. look up, uh, I think it's, if you Google or YouTube sister Christian boogie night scene, the top voted comment on the scene. And I don't have the, the user's name in front of me, but it's every group of druggies has a friend like Todd who just escalates things way too fast, way too quickly. <laughs> uh, oh my God. <laughs> Kyle, how do you feel about, about this whole premise of a robbery? Even it's, it's so anxiety inducing, right? It really makes me glad that I don't deal with people that do hard drugs anymore outside of like AA and NA meetings. <laughs> Because there's always some fucking bright idea, man. <laughs> I mean, I've never been in a situation like this. <laughs> but, like, when you're fucking, like, when your brain is, like, frying from, like, four days of no sleep and you don't have any money and you're trying to get more dope, like, the shit you think of that seems logical is not logical, man. Has anybody ever seen Wonderland? No. Nah. Uh, no, I think I have it, That'd though. be right up your alley. It's, uh... Very similar to John Holmes, the John Holmes uh, murder, the Wonderland murders. Anyway, Pappy, were you saying I think every group of drug addicts has a Todd making every situation ex- exponentially worse? I did say that, yeah. Do you feel the same way, Brett? <laughs> oh, yeah. I, just, I was reading the comment. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> who, wait, who, who was the user who said that? I want to give credit. 
Mike Whipkey. Subscribe to him on YouTube. Anyway, go ahead, Brett. <laughs> you said you didn't like the scene. Is it because of no, the detention. poppers? No, the, yeah, no, it's it's the firecrackers. No, no, no. But I was actually I saw a comment on here, and it's totally one hundred percent right to make this even even more tense that the firecrackers going on just make it That's so cheating. much more. It's cheating. No, it's great. What do you mean? But the reason I didn't like it is it's only because it was just like, oh my God, get out of there. Like I, I was <laughs> the entire time. Yeah. I was John C. Riley. That would have been, if I was ever there, I'm, I'm no joke. I would have started crying and I would have walked out the door. I mean, I screw you guys. You're on your own. I mean, that that's why I like it. It felt so real to me. I've never been in that situation, like at least with those kind of stakes. But it like just made me ill. Just how intense it was. And you're right, dude. It's great filmmaking. You got the corny music that sounds great. You got the fireworks going on. You got the <laughs> B. Philly Johnson. You just waiting for him at any like. What is he doing? Is he cutting it, Corey? I mean, what's he doing? He's weighing it up. I love this part. And I love that we're lingering on it. And I love that Pap said 10 out of 10 filmmaking, <laughs> like just leading into this. I think it's easily the best part of the movie. There's just yeah. like, if you've seen Inglorious Bastards, the opening scene, there, there's only a few like scenes that have this much tension that like I've the ever Shoshana seen. scene at the beginning? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was so bad. I was watching, like, Corey hooked me up with some Hulu action. I was watching this. They didn't have like a fast forward option, so I literally s- skipped forward like a couple ten seconds, a couple times, and then w- <laughs> rewound back and watched it again. But like, yeah. I physically couldn't handle this part. Hey, and like <laughs> the the fireworks is just cheating. I, it's funny and it's good filmmaking, but it's like probably wouldn't happen in real life. The part with the bodyguard, though, like every once in a while, like checking the coke, yeah. and they keep uh-huh. kind of like showing him in the background, like. And then you're just stuck watching Alfred Molina mouth terrible songs, and the tension is just like <laughs> boiling your blood. It's nuts. I have two questions, real quick. I know uh, one's kind of a joke, and the other one's serious. Uh, Josh and Jode, what's more intense, this scene or in Young Guns when they are trapped in the in the the house and they have to get out? It's got to be suitcase. the house. The house. <laughs> Young Guns wins every time. <laughs> of course. I mean, come on. Um, secondly, good question. Do, do we know why, um, in the middle of all this tension, where Dirk and uh, Mike Ancho or whatever Hancho, why all of a sudden is he f- Dirk freaked out, and then all of a sudden he starts staring, and then he like, is that like his mind being fried? I mean, what's it goes on for like fifteen seconds. You guys know what I'm you talking about? A long shot of just his face yeah. while stuff is yeah, going yeah. on around him. Yeah, and he, but his like his demeanor changes to like he's scared, and all of a sudden he's like almost mad or indecisive. This was super weird to me. I don't, I don't know if that all was right, just so a few a, things. I think he's understanding the situation that he's in in that moment. Um, but also, I didn't want to forget the firecracker thing. If you're in a room full of people doing dope. Someone is always doing something that is completely fucking weird every time. <laughs> now, lighting firecrackers is not one I've seen, but <laughs> but there's always something that's incredibly unnerving going on. <laughs> Someone might be like taking off their fucking clothes, skinning or a deer, <laughs> skinning a live deer. Yeah. Ooh, a live one. Oof. Josh, I don't. Th- it's not cheating. It's Cosmo. 
he's Chinese, first of all. <laughs> <laughs> Second of all, I, yeah, I, everything about that scene, too, like the Russian roulette, like with the, the oh, banging gosh. stuff, too, it's just like, it's so unhinged. I, I'm kind of with you, Brett. It does just kind of end, and it feels like there should have been way you know there should there should be a lot of fallout to what just fucking happened you know i mean john c Riley's still in the bushes this guy's got a shotgun like people are dead but the movie really kind of ends after the scene we have a beat where dirk goes back to jack loved it while jack is making eggs and apologizes and they they embrace um and then prodigal son Kylo, would you call this a, a sad happy ending or like a happy sad ending or just a happy ending or a sad ending I'd call it a big prosthetic penis. Oh, very, very good. <laughs> Tell us what happens. The much-anticipated penis of uh, our lead character, Dirk Diggler, is revealed to us. We see it through his pants a couple of times, and I was wondering at the beginning, when they were talking about it, I'm like, are they just going to like show this to us? Because you know, I, I really don't want to see that. Um, and I had forgotten that question that I asked myself, and then at the end, he just whips it right out, man. I think it's happy, by the way. I, I don't. Yeah, I didn't actually answer your question. Well, it's weird because, like, or it's not weird. It's it's ex- excellent writing in that every time Dirk Diggler is like preparing his scenes, there's a little bit of like shades, maybe maybe sometimes some overt shades of like what's happening in his life, right? Like in the first time, he's like, "You're ready to launch your acting career. This is it." But that's like what his character is about to say. Like here, he's like, "You've come back here again." You followed all the clues. Maybe you were there at the Ringo shootout. Maybe you weren't, but you've like wound up back here again. It's, I, I don't know. I get the sense that like some of the characters want to be where they are, but some of the characters like Julianne Moore, maybe Kylo don't want to mm. be where they are. I, I, I feel very mixed at the end of Boogie Nights when I watch it. I think what you said about like happy, sad ending is appropriate. It's like bittersweet. It's, you know, Things are better for some people, but they're not ideal. This They're still all living in this fucked up world. Um, whether or not they've taken a step forward or a step backward, I, you know, that's just dependent on the character. But I think those steps forward and back are going to continue as long as they're connected to this insanity. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. I feel like it's just a another kind of mountain and then a valley is coming again. Like they're... This is kind of a good Cycle. time, but you, yeah, yeah, you know it's going to go bad at some point because they're they're in this life, and that's like what it is. I don't know. Buck's uh, Buck's uh, stereo store has a a slogan: "Come inside us and yeah. get good deals." Or something <laughs> like that. We both looked at each other. We're like, "Did he just say come inside us?" <laughs> well, this is probably the best ending because he gets out of it. He gets out of like the business, yes. and so he's as a family. He, he, yeah, he's able to use like his buddy, not use, but like his buddies are able to help him like shoot a commercial and stuff like that. So like well, he's able to use his connections and that to get out of the business. And but... it's stolen illegal money. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, I think that's a it big... is stolen, but is it illegal? He earned it. He earned that money. <laughs> it's stolen, but is it illegal? It's stolen. Illegal <laughs> yes, it's, very, it's very, very illegal. I'm pretty sure that's double jeopardy if it's stolen and illegal. So he should be fine. He can't Doesn't get in for it. Yeah. But you know, it's, it's interesting because this group of characters we've been talking about the whole time, this tapestry, the only way you get out of this is if you get another family, right? Like the one wow. woman family. marries the guy from Pet Boys and she gets out. And uh, Don Cheadle marries, what's her name? I don't know. And like has a kid and he's like relatively out. But like, I liked her. otherwise, these people are now like dependent on 
these, these this group of people as their family, right? Uh, Josh, family. When you when you see the credits roll on Boogie Nights, what, what how what are you feeling? What are, what are your emotions? Well, there's part of me that wonders if this movie is kind of like Brigsby Bear, where the last all the good stuff is kind of in the main character's head. Like, did he die? Oh, gosh. Like an occurrence yeah. of Al Creek, and maybe like. Like during that like shootout, there's one shot especially where he there's like a shotgun fired, and <laughs> Mark Wahlberg is standing right in front of his window, and the window explodes, but he's fine. So like, did he die there and imagine all this good stuff? Probably, probably not. But it's fake. I don't know, like John C. Riley doing magic is in his mind. <laughs> yes, and Don Cheadle That's a good place to be. With, That's heaven. They all ended up okay. Exactly. Except for Julianne Moore, who will always have resting bitch face, no matter what. But I don't think, Pappy, this is the answer you wanted to this question, but I'm going to go here anyway. Do it. Someone explained the ending of Boogie Nights to me a long time ago, and I thought it was Brett, but is this the first time you've seen this, Brett? Yeah, I'd seen little parts of it, but no, I'd definitely never seen it. I thought it was Brett, but it must have been my best friend, Drew Rockland. But they told me that at the end of this movie, Dirk Diggler walks into an office and he's just burnt out on the porn industry and he whips out his huge dick and it's dead and he can't do anything with it anymore. What? And it's super no. sad ending. No. So I, I thought that's what it was going into it and I was like so confused and like... I don't know. My I, my best friend Drew Rockland would never ever get a movie that wrong. <laughs> but that doesn't sound like my best friend Drew no, Rockland. You know Drew. <laughs> you know Drew Corey. I think that they're wrong. Side note: this ending is exactly like the end of the movie Raging Bull, as far as like the shot with the mirror and everything. Mm. But I think there's maybe some validation to that. Like he's had difficulty getting it to work more and more, and. Like, does it make sense that he's, like, in the midst of stardom at this point? I I don't know, Pappy. I thought, it, despite that... The drugs will do that sometimes. Despite the fact that, like, yes, I do think in the, in the context of the movie, he's, like, successful again and, like, part of the team and doing porn again. I still think... I still had, like, a sad kind of, like, punch-in-the-gut feeling at the end. Mm-hmm. And that's... I don't know. That's, to me, why this is such a capital M masterpiece is that it has a scene as funny as John C. Riley and Mark Wahlberg like comparing how much they can squat something as dark as like roller girl roller stomping some guy's skull in mm-hmm. and then you know this ending kind of like wraps everything up like we've been on quite a journey with all these characters any any final thoughts for Matt Trolls uh, Patreon request for uh, we had an appearance from Robert Downey Sr. what who is he he was the studio manager that would not give them the tapes. <laughs> That's Robert Downey Jr.'s dad? That's yep. pretty funny. Hmm. I I think the first time, this is very random, I think the first time I saw this, it was on, not like basic cable, but maybe like a TNT or TBS or something like that. And the last shot with his dong was not in it. I was not expecting that at all. So <laughs> if was just seeing this on cable, uh, and you're watching on Hulu this time, watch out, because y- you see it. You mean they didn't show a huge <laughs> prosthetic penis on cable, Jode? Well, I yeah. mean, it wasn't, like, basic cable, but no, they didn't show it on TBS. 
This Shocker. is one of those movies where the TV edit is a completely different film. Like, <laughs> right? That's even possible. Yeah. I, I have a couple quick things. Um, a joke I wanted to make that I didn't get to. I wanted to say Dirk Diggler the Daring for all our Dragon's Lair <laughs> players out there. So I don't even know what that didn't is. Didn't get to make that. Good one. Um, Don Cheadle is a salesman. He's really on this uh, idea of a TK421 <laughs> right? uh, yes. modification. <laughs> he's... He's a good salesman until he starts like talking technical stuff that he can't explain. But uh, TK four twenty one is a is a stormtrooper designation in uh, Star Wars: oh, nice. uh, A New Hope. That's great, love it. Dude, that was intentional. I I was trying to think. I'm like, so this takes place in seventy seven at the beginning, right? I don't know. I was I was trying to put the pieces together in my head. I I want to assume that the answer to that is yes. Kylo, do the people ever tell you that you look like Han Solo? <laughs> I hear that all the time. Well, why don't you give us your yes or no, then, uh, for Boogie Nights? Okay. I will give this a yes. This movie is awesome. I loved it all the way through, and it's a, it's a long ride all the way through. Uh, it's really good filmmaking. It has these like really long shots that are interesting to watch, but also there's enough events going on that I think uh, maybe even Stevie would like this. Um, I know he calls some Paul Thomas Anderson movies boring, I don't think this movie's boring. I think it's it's fucking insanity and it's a wild ride. And this cast is just crazy. This is the most star-studded cast in a movie I've seen since Angels in the Outfield. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to give this a yes. It could happen. It could happen. Uh, I'll go ahead and go next. Um, yeah, definite hard yes. I think this is a masterpiece. I think, you know, every time I think about a 26-year-old person made this movie, it's really astounding to think about like how... He even had like the confidence to like you know direct Burt Reynolds on set, whether or not there was tension. Like, still takes a lot of balls. Um, just a quick thing on Paul Thomas Anderson. We, we've talked about this on on one of the Patreon exclusive episodes. What we think is going to happen to the movie theater? There's going to be a lot less screens going forward, and a lot of those screens are going to be occupied by big blockbuster franchises which i'm not even saying that's a bad thing but then the only other sort of lane for storytelling for these movies to get on the screens is if we have superstar directors like quentin tarantino like christopher nolan like paul thomas anderson like greta gerwig might be becoming you know like jordan peele might even be becoming later in his life so i know it's like easy to shit on all those people and they're gonna make bad movies in the future but it's really important, I think, to not, not not even build these people up, but when we have people who are really, really special like this living among, a, among us, to, to pay attention and to sit up and to, you know... Jordan and I did a movie on a review on Phantom Thread a couple years ago, and neither one of us liked it, it that much. Hated but, it so much. But I'm still glad that I saw it, and I'll see everything that PTA does, because I think it's important that people like him and Quentin Tarantino and Chris Nolan and Greta Gerwig and all those people exist. So, But regardless, hard yes for me. Uh, Josh, I think you're you're next. Yeah, this is Josh from Goshen. Give this movie pretty decent yes. Honestly, I think I was this movie was built up in my mind a lot, and this is my first time seeing it. So I think part of me was a little disappointed, honestly. Um I don't know if I want to go as hard in the paint for guys like PTA and Christopher Nolan as Pappy does, but 
I would like to see a wide array of just like weird movies and weird directors with a lot of talent still like go to theaters. Like I, I think you have a point in that. And so like as far as auteurism goes and stuff, you have to respect this. It does make me insanely jealous that he was 26, 27 during the making of this movie. I think there is a lot of ego there that you could point to and criticize and laugh. But at the end result here is a great movie. Hit a lot of actors obviously buy into his ideas. So kudos to that. Um, just real quick to cap my Burt Reynolds PTA gripes on set. Uh, Burt Reynolds once to- told Conan O'Brien that he didn't want to punch Paul Thomas Anderson in the face. He just wanted to punch him. And that at one point in the movie, he did refuse at least one line of dialogue he was given. And I think, like, overarchingly, Burt Reynolds was just, like, kind of offended by the pornography in this movie. But ultimately, he signed on to do a movie about pornography called Boogie Nights. So it's kind of on him. And, yeah, thanks, Matt. Troll! For hooking us up with a PTA movie. It's hard to watch Mm -hmm. these sometimes, so I'm glad we did. Good call, shouting out Matt Troll. I also want to shout out uh, Film Dylan. We did, uh, Kylo, myself, and Stevie did the best of the 90s over on the Cine Study podcast, and this was in his top 10 of the 90s. Actually, probably would have cracked my top 10 if I could do that list again. Probably more in the 10-9 range. Um, I believe this was his number one. Oh, was it his number one? It's not even the That's- best movie in 97, but, you know, whatever. I listened to that podcast. That was a good podcast, Pap. Also, yeah, if you don't want to stand uh, Chris Nolan or Quentin Tarantino, there's also Ari Aster out there who's becoming a superstar director uh, right in front of us as well. Uh, Jordan, you're traditionally the most Eastest, so Brett, I'll go to you. Go to you next. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, this is, uh, I would say, a pretty solid to hard yes for me. It was really good. It's weird, Josh, that you would say about Burt Reynolds. I mean, he like literally just did strip tease a year before. Um, so, but, you know, Burt Reynolds is a Florida State great, uh, seminal, so, uh, good for him. We miss him. Uh, yeah, it's a, a really good movie. Uh, man, it was about an hour of just devastating, just devastation, and it was hard. I'm glad it kind of ended happily-ish. So, uh, yeah, I think I'll enjoy it more the second time because it was so, uh, intense, so yeah. uh, I think when I rewatch it, kind of like what what Josh did with the scene, like you kind of go forward to see what happens, and you can go then you know when you find out they make it out, you can go back and check it out. So I think that's how it'll have to be with me. And uh, really, really good, really good cast. So definitely yes. You guys watch movies that way, huh? I'm so embarrassed about that. I don't usually do that, but I had to. It no, sucks. I wasn't saying that I watch movies like that necessarily. I'm just saying it's the same concept. Like you. I, I, if there's a movie that's really uh, not ten, I guess tense, I, I'll struggle through it the first time, and then when I realize it kind of works out or I know how it ends, I will watch it the second time and be more at ease. Mm. I miss the movie theater where you, where you <laughs> don't even have that option. Uh, exactly. <laughs> so <Yeah>. frightening. <laughs> Last but not least, Jordan, will you make Boogie Nights preserved? Oh my god. Traditionally um, most negative Jordan. This is a wild card. <laughs> For the record, I had to look it up on Google Maps, but 
Brad, I'm way easter than you. Oh, are you? Uh, yes. Cool. I'm almost a Lake Erie over here. I knew that. <laughs> Either way, um, I definitely had a different reaction to this movie. Uh, like I said, the first time I watched it was on some kind of cable channel, and it it was more of kind of an adventure through these people's lives with like less pornography and dying and big cock at the end. Um, this time it was, I it was way more sad. Like I felt bad because I think it's pretty clear that Mark Wahlberg's character Dirk is just. He's not very smart, and he gets dragged into this world, and it's just bad news for pretty much everybody. Um, it is a definite yes, though. A hard, erect yes. It's Ooh. it's a really good movie. There's a ton of good actors in it. Um, I am still shocked. I did not know that PTA was only 26 when he made this. Um, it's really good. Thank you for... Uh, sorry, who, who, who is the, pa- uh, the Patreon? Matt Troll! Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for your support, Troll. Um, I do troll. also miss Stevie here. I I want to know what like nickname he would have given this because he, he loves to make like shitty nicknames for movies like There Will Be Boredom <laughs> or Unwatchable for Unbreakable. The Snark, yeah. Yeah. So I I want to know what his what his name for this one would have been. Um but it's a it's a definite yes and uh appreciate being able to go back and watch this another time. Wow, you were definitely so much further east than me. That's crazy. <laughs> I knew this. I'm never wrong. Just like I'm never wrong about trivia. But unfortunately, I don't get to play tonight because I looked up the answer. Uh, if you are at... Jesus Christ, I can't believe I didn't look this up. The Someone help me out. Preserved level, you get to... Stauncher? No, no. no. Stauncher uh-huh. doesn't get anything. No, it's not human being. It's preserved, I think. $10, right? Yeah, okay, yeah, if you're at the preserved level, you get to pick a movie. You also get to pick an opening question, uh, which Matt uh, foregoes. He let Stevie pick that one. But he did have a quick closest to trivia. Uh, Hell yeah. I'll read what he put in his email to us. As for trivia, I really like closest to. Dare you to guess the size of Dirk Diggler's inspiration, John Holmes. His height, obviously, in parentheses. So, the height of real life adult actor John Curtis Holmes, better known as Johnny Wad, who at the time was one of the most prolific and active adult male film actors, credited with at least 573 adult oh, films. Fuck. What? Wait, the, John the, Wad. The height of yeah, but he's, he's shorter. He's got to be shorter now. What, so what is his height at his height, Brett? What, how how tall was he when he was with us? Uh, he was super tall. Quickly, and, we'll, we'll do a super uh, quick. Six three. Rest, okay. Oh, six, sorry. Three. Sorry. You said me. I'm no, sorry. No, no, no. no six three. Uh, winner will throw us the spoiler man. Brett says six three. Jordan? Uh, six six. Josh? Possibly. When a guy from Norway puts the word height in parentheses, they're talking about his wiener size, Pappy. That was oh. the trivia. Okay. But it probably this was metric. Change my answer. I know <laughs> he did, but I don't know how to convert this to metric. <laughs> <laughs> is he is he from Norway, Pap? It's Norway, right? Uh one yes. of the Scandinavian wow. countries. I hope probably. he listened to our snowman episode. I hope snowman. he did too. And yeah, and he liked our, that's why he liked the troll episode. But um Okay, Mark Wahlberg's super short, so I'm going to say he was pretty short, too. I'll say, like, 5'6". Five, 5'6". Six. Five, six. And Kylo? 5'9". Five, 5'9". Nine. 
First of all, before I give the answer, a big, big shout out to Matt. Troll! Troll! <laughs> <laughs> you gotta quit smoking. For the, for the trivia, uh, and for becoming a, a, a patron of our podcast, it really does help us out with a lot of our costs. It means a lot to us, Matt. Thank you for doing this. You're a friend forever. But the answer, John... Johnny Wide Holmes, star of 100 or 573 adult films, was while he was alive, Brett, six foot two inches tall, <gasps> or 185 centimeters. So, Brett, I believe you're the closest. Just go ahead and toss it away to spoiler man. All right, uh, yeah. So, I mean, of course, I was right. Um, uh, take it away, spoiler man. <laughs> Special thank you to our patrons, Matt Troll, Brother Brian, Druid King, Nick. If you'd like to request an episode, hear your name read by Spoiler Man, or even just help us make podcasts, please check us out on patreon.com slash spoilers podcast. Our email is podcastspoilers at gmail.com. Twitter is at spoilers underscore pod. Our Instagram is Podcast Spoilers. It's lit. Josh Hensley from the Rutabaga wrote our theme song. Please support this podcast by leaving us an iTunes review. Now you can check us out on Spotify, YouTube, Stitcher, Apple, and Google Podcasts. Spoilers is now available on Audible. No definitive measurement or documentation verifying John Holmes' penis length or girth exists, leaving an exact size unknown. He's uncircumcised. That was spoilers.